0: To the podcast, 82488. Now she grabbed my gaze with a stab of worry. I pressed a finger over Bellinger's face, then over my mother's, until I was the only one left. That was a selection from today's novel, Girl One, by Sarah Flannery Murphy. Page 8. Now she grabbed my gaze with a stab of worry. I pressed a finger over Bellinger's face, then over my mother's, until I was the only one left. Each year of my life revolved around two particular dates. Emotional arc is fixed in my head as the rotation of the earth around the sun. The first came on April 24th the anniversary of one of the most controversial scientific breakthroughs in the 20th century, my birthday, a date that had become a question in trivial pursuit and the title of a little known song by The Clash. The second date landed in June, the anniversary of the fire that had taken everything from me. Together those two formed the simple punchline of my origin story. It might have been birth that put us on the map, but it was death that kept us there. Since first grade, I could recite my personal history on command, and often did for anybody who'd listen. In the year 1970, the shiny start of a new decade, a visionary named Joseph Bellinger Put out the call for young women to become part of a risky reproductive experiment. Between 1971 and 1975, nine women gave birth to baby girls. There were no fathers, not genetically, not biologically, only eggs dividing, and possibly, without the influence of spermatozoa. The nine of us swiftly dubbed the Miracle Babies, on Pelanger's crackpot obscurity to global fame. For six bright years there were photo shoots, interviews, limited edition baby dolls, conference presentations, sponsorships, endless editorials. Bellinger stayed with us at the homestead as much as possible, doing his best to protect us from both the shine of the spotlight and the inevitable darkness that collected at its edges. By my sixth birthday, the darkness started to overwhelm the shy. The people who opposed our very existence got louder, more aggressive. Our most prominent critic was a man named Ricky Peters, an ersatz preacher whose fame grew alongside ours. But Ricky wasn't the only one. Politicians publicly promised that. If elected, they'd make parthenogenesis illegal. Ministers and priests took the pulpits to remind the world that we were born pre-damned. Petri dish abominations. Our eternal souls only half formed when we were conceived without fathers. Page 24. The local chief of police hasn't taken anything seriously since we moved here. He's only equipped for the occasional domestic dispute or or a cat stuck up in the tree. This is a way outside of his usual expertise. He nodded slowly. Do you have any enemies around town? I laughed, swift and bitter. Yeah, you can say that. There'd been graffiti. Kids who'd follow me home yelling names at me. Freak. monster. Devil baby, whatever. Someone once smashed a bunch of test tubes in front of our house on Halloween. But I don't think this was vandalism, I said. There's no V pattern. The geometry is all off. A fire will extend upwards from the point where it was set. I sketched this out with my hands, broad sweeps, but this fire doesn't have a pattern. It's like it started everywhere at once. Uneasy, I remembered that bird with its once-singed wing. You know your fire patterns. A hobby of mine, I said, but the joke didn't have any energy behind it. Surrounded as we were by the pervasive smell of the smoke, the fire of 1977 felt too immediate. That fire had managed to take everything important from me cutting short Dr. Bellinger's life, leaving his eight living creations abandoned and bereft, not to mention snuffing out all the other sisters I could have had, hundreds or thousands who would have been born by now, instead burned along with Bellinger's irreplaceable mind. I dropped onto the bottom step of the staircase and flipped through the notebook pages, faces and headlines skimming by, Death and scandal, scandal and loss, and those notes that didn't make any sense. My spotted birds scribbled haphazardly in the margins, and my stomach lurched at the lot of the bird out on the lawn. Tom seemed distracted, shifting his weight from foot to foot. He stood there with his camera clenched in both hands. You're pretty much the only person she's talked to for the past year, and even you don't know anything, I said, but then I trailed off. Through the kitchen window above the sink full of dirty dishes, I had a view of the street outside my house. Headlights. That car was back. The maroon sedan from earlier, driving by slowly. Hold on, Tom said. I'm not the only person. Your mother was talking to other people about Fiona. Page 88. Her eyes a watery green. Ringed in liner. But I realized that I'd be doing this in broad daylight. Out in front of everybody. Making it real. And I pulled back at the last moment. Sorry, but do you know where I can find Tonya Bauer? You're in trouble, sweetie. I nodded, bargaining with myself that it wasn't exactly a lie. Don't you worry, the woman said, Kate can help you out. The woman jerked her chin, due north, downhill, Use the back roads. There's a sign saying Mill Creek Lane, but it's hid by a tree branch, so look close. Go down Mill Creek, you'll come across a yellow house with lots of thingies on the porch. She made a cryptic, fluttering gesture with her hands. Kate's usually around this time of day. The woman leaned in. Honey, take care of yourself. Whatever is going on, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. A pointed look at my stomach. The Bower's house was at the edges of Golding, and it felt like we were in the middle of the forest, surrounded as we were by trees. The yellow house had a dozen wind, chimes dangling from the porch a clattering flock of them the windows were shadowed by a deep set porch the land was perfused with wild flowers a knock on the bowers front door tense with anticipation praying someone would answer the day was stifled with humidity but here the noise of the wind chimes was a texture in the air itself a layer of coolness no response. I tried again and again. Are we sure they're home? Tom asked. I stepped off the porch, avoiding a flower pot overrun with the tendrils of a climbing vine, and walked around the side of the house. Flowers and weeds brushed against my shins. A fence surrounded the backyard, wooden slats taller than me, some knocked crooked slumped into each other i stopped for a second listening a faint thread of noise like a trapped insect can you wait here i asked hop the gate in the fence was locked grabbing the top of the slats where the wood was sun warmed and weather softened i hoisted myself up gracefully scrabbling over the top and dropping down to the ground below The End Girl 1 Sarah Flannery Murphy Throughout the fight of literature, you will find a story that touches your soul. Please support the authors in this show by viewing the books on the website 82488.com That's numbers 824, the word 80, and the number 8.com